Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. to the call-up of Brian Reynolds and initially forced the premature use of Cole Tucker before ultimately handing it over to Newman. I mean, now that moment was two guys trying to make a play. Now that moment was about two guys trying to make a play and not communicating. I mean, yesterday we got one of those moments, but this one was all on one guy, making one panicked play. And believe me, it too could serve as something that this team reacts to. We're going to see how they how they come out of this, and it's going to be interesting. Um, good evening, and welcome back to the Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. And in case you haven't picked up on it yet, this episode is all about the Pirates. Uh, we do this every week. They're live every Saturday night around 7, and really hope you can join us. Before we get into our topics today, let's take a minute and welcome our guest this week. First, he's my very good friend and self-proclaimed prospect junkie. He is Craig Toth. How you doing today, guys? Excellent. Doing okay. Next up, we have Justin Verno returning to the show. And uh, he digs in on the prospects quite a bit, too. Uh, Justin, welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you, Gary. Hi, everybody. All right, and finally, he has been the PA announcer for the RMU Colonials men's and women's hockey teams and part-time writer for Top of the Incline Sports. He's Larry Snyder. And Larry, before you say hi, I'm very sorry to hear about RMU's hockey program. Um, Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but it really came out of nowhere for me. So, you know, if there's anything you feel like saying on it when you say hello, I completely understand. Have at it. Well, it did come out of the blue. It came out of the blue for everyone. What has been reported so far by what I consider reliable sources, uh, the coaches, Coach Coach Paul Colantino for the RMU women and Coach Derek Schooley for the RMU men, uh, only found out somewhere between two hours and 45 minutes before they had their Zoom meeting with the players to make this announcement that they were dropping men's and women's ice hockey. So the entire coaching staffs, as well as their support staffs, I think were caught as completely flat footed as the players. And uh, it's just a shame. Uh, Both of these hockey programs have achieved uh, success playing NCAA division one ice hockey And I know they have been popular in the Pittsburgh ice hockey community. They have partnered with the Pittsburgh Penguins to bring the Frozen Four here to Pittsburgh uh, twice in the last 10 years. And it is just a shame of the 
I'm going to go out. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but going the short-sightedness of the Board of Trustees to just jettison these two fine, outstanding programs. Coach Schooling, Coach Colantino, if you had a son or daughter, you would want them to play for these men because they run their programs right. Yeah. I mean, but it's a pirate show, so let's jump back to the pirates okay. here. And, um, you know, before I get started, I think what we learned from all that is that the pirates aren't the only messed up organization out there. So, you know, keep your eyes, <laughs> keep your eyes peeled on what's going on in, in other sports as well. So let's get started. First thing we're going to discuss is the weekly poll question, which you can find every week on my Twitter page pinned to the top of my profile. Question is... You can only keep one on the team. Which one and why? The choices were Will Craig and Philip Evans. And I should note here, I had this up on Tuesday, so it's not to make fun of a kid for a dumb play. I just wanted to make sure that nobody thought that I was playing that kind of a game here. Um, the answers were very consistent. If it was Evans, it was attributed to versatility. Craig, it was youth. And I should also point out here, there's only a two-year difference between them, so... You know, I don't, I don't know, but it's not my job to do the homework of the voters. Just putting it out there. Uh, Craig, let's start with you, brother. What were your thoughts here? And, and to all of you, feel free to let the play change your mind. Well, actually, the play doesn't really change my mind whatsoever. Uh, I mean, it was, it was horrible. It was atrocious. It was goofy. It had every single thing in it. It had, you know, not understanding the rules. It had badly thrown balls it had you know runs coming in when they shouldn't have just everything but my mind was actually kind of made up uh on will craig back in his uh start when he was uh when jt brubaker was playing and he got that air and would have gotten us out of the inning and actually it wasn't it wasn't deemed an error but i i deemed it an error uh and didn't make the play and then gives up three runs and he's kind of been living off of like that burst of power and and solid defense and even before that play and even after that play I mean he was he he made another error um, at that point in time so I I just I thought that number one he's got options so he was probably going to go back down to begin with Uh, Philip Evans he to me is also hopefully one of those guys that doesn't have to be exposed and, you know, play a whole lot. Cause that's the thing with Craig, even is Craig being thrown in like this and being an everyday player in major league right now, as opposed to, you know, a guy that comes in off the bench every once in a while has to have been very tough for him. So uh, for me, it was just a very easy answer. Number one, because of options and number two, because will Craig uh, to me, just kind of showed that maybe the stage is too big for him. And that was even before um, the play that he didn't make. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I saw some of that stuff too, and I'll, I'll reserve my comments for after everybody else had a shot here, but Larry, let's go to you. Um, you. You've been watching Will Craig in this organization for a long time, right? We've been waiting for him to come. He was a number one pick, super excited. I mean, it hasn't happened. You know, he had one big year in the minors, and and here he is getting a shot. Do you think that he's done enough to stay here over somebody like Philip Evans? Well, I look at Philip Evans, one, he's two years older, 
but uh, you were talking about in your article on InsideTheBucksBasement.com that uh, he has that Swiss Army knife appeal because he can play multiple positions. And to me, I wanted to keep Craig uh, because of the age difference. Um, I don't see one bad day, one bad game. You know, everybody has an off day at the office, so I'm, I'm not going to fault the young man, uh, you know, about the game the other day. But I thought Evans, you could use Evans if you're trying to make a deal with somebody to maybe pick up some more pitching or pick up some another prospect. You use Evans as a throw-in to sweeten the deal with any potential trade partner because of that specific yeah. Swiss Army knife appeal. Because I looked down at AAA, and I think you have somebody like Hunter Owen who could take Evans' role with his versatility because he – can play third base, first base, and the two-corner outfields once his hand heals up, um, and you still have Craig there on the bench. So, you know, I don't see Evans as you just got to hold on to him for this season. I think you could use him as trade bait. Yeah, I understand that. I, I can see what you're saying there. Justin, you know, jumping over to you, I, I don't know. I don't know how big of a fan you were of Craig getting the call up in the first place. I, I don't even think I saw you saw, you comment on it. So I'm guessing it wasn't really on your radar. No, no, Thoughts he really there? wasn't. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to knock the guy. I, I almost feel like he's one of those first rounders that it's not his fault. You know, it's it's not his fault that he was a first rounder, and he probably shouldn't have been. And I get there is some power potential there. And oddly enough, there is some flexibility. He came up as a third baseman, played it in college, uh, transitioned to first. They've played him in the outfield. I can see him carving out a future for himself, whether it be with the Pirates or other organizations, as a bench bat, um, which is – so I guess I can understand the um, Will Craig uh, people there, you know, the ones who went with him. But at the end of the day – uh, Evans just looks a little bit better right now. He can play more positions, and that has to be the answer um, to me. And, yeah, and trades are part of it because that's that super utility player does have some uh, trade appeal, you know, this year, whether it's next year. Um, but uh, And I feel bad that I, I just never got the Will Craig uh, attachment from fans. Yeah, I mean, I never really did either. Uh I got to be honest, I wasn't a fan of the pick when, when they made it. Um, I also wasn't as deep into this as I am now. You know, the way I'm looking at the team today, I probably would have been pretty up in arms about that, that selection back, back then. Instead, I was just a little irked, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I just never saw the pick as, as being what, what we would hope it would turn into. And, and, and you went know, ahead and artificially blocked him right away too. If you thought he was a real prospect, you, yeah. they artificially blocked him with Bell immediately. Yeah, I mean, Craig, you know, one, one, I'll go back to you on this one because, you know, we've both collectively written off Craig a while ago. The team's DFA'd him. You know, he's probably bound for another DFA here, to be honest. Which is why I asked the question in the first place, because I do think it's a question of which one of them gets DFA'd. I mean, he has options, but they've chosen not to use them several times. Yeah, so, I mean, with him, I mean, I – the attachment, I think, more came, uh, at least for me, was in Altoona. 
I getting to see him play out there a few times, you could tell that his teammates, you know, really, you know, gravitated around him, really respected him. I mean, you even saw it uh, when he hit his home run, uh, Gregory Polanco at the top of the steps, you know, ready to give the guy a hug and was just like very, very fair, happy for him. To be fair, that's Greg on, on a inside, you know, third base dribbler. You know, yeah. Like, so I know, but it's just, it's, it's nice to see that type of, you know, type of stuff and everybody has nothing but good things to say about him. And I, I can see to, to Larry's, Larry's point where, you know, if it's depending on what you're going to use the player for. And if Craig, who actually, if that play doesn't happen, he's actually, he's been hitting the ball like pretty decently up here. Yeah. Uh, compared to some of the other players that have gotten, you know, just at many at bats. I mean, he's at this, the point where he's at the same round, the same number of at bats as Todd Frazier and obviously had a lot more hits because Todd Frazier's average never came up, you know, above, you know, 100. And before yesterday's game, I'm pretty sure Craig was hitting up in like, you know, 270, 275, 280. So yeah, right. he had shown, you know, some consistency with the bat. So that's, that's part of why that's see. part of why I asked the question because Evans started out well, but before he went on the IL, his bat had fallen off. I mean, pretty drastically. I mean, we're talking like he looked a lot more like Eric Gonzalez than, you know, what he did. Like then he was close to almost what Cabrian Hayes was doing when he first started this season. You know what I mean? He, I mean, he even had hit like three home runs, like boom, boom, boom. So he's showing things that we didn't even think he had. And all of a sudden he got turned into like a rookie of the year candidate. I even saw somebody write about, which my God, no, but you know, he's returned to the mean a little bit. Right. So that's why I asked this question because Will Craig, he was given an opportunity. He came up and I think with the bat, while he's not hitting home runs, he has one, he is hitting. And, and when you look at that lineup and you see people getting put in there routinely that have an 093 batting average, I, how, do you, how do you send down a guy that's hitting 280? You know, it's a real decision they're going to have to make. And, I, and that's why I ask, like, which one would you choose? And, you know, Larry, I'll go back to you. Because, you, you know, I understand your choice completely, but does Craig's bat actually kind of playing at this level change that at all? Well, if, if you're looking for contributions, you know, to the offense, if you look at Philip Evans in his two cups of coffee he had with the New York Mets, he played 15 games. I think it was 2018, uh, 2019. Um, his stats were very similar to what Craig's are right now. He played 15 games in each of those seasons. Craig has played 13 for the Pirates. And their stats are very, very similar. So I don't quite see the he's that much better. He maybe yeah. he, uh, you said he's gone into a slump. Has he plateaued? And is he the one who has really hit the wall? I think is what yeah. they need to take a look at. If he's batting below the Mendoza line right now, yeah, you have some problems there. Yeah, I mean, and look at Larry coming out of the weeds here with the uh, small sample size argument. I get it completely. <laughs> Justin, <laughs> Justin, back to you just one more time here because, you know, I know we were talking a little bit about not having faith in him before, 
but I do think he came up and performed a little bit better than I thought he would with the bat. Um, so kind of gets a little bit of credit for me from me there. You know, it's funny. I almost expected his results to be a little bit flipped that we'd be seeing some power, but not a whole lot of connecting. Um, yeah. You know, anybody know his uh, exit velocity? I know his barrel rate's only 53 percentile, which isn't going to get it done in the long term. Uh, you know, you, you get a, a, a seeing eye ground single or something like that. It can kind of askew things, especially in, you know, such a small sample size. And right. at the end of the day, I just don't know that either of these guys have much of a future with the yeah, fire true, long true. term. Well, that's probably a really good way to put it. Um, I, I think you're right. But the uh, at the end of the day, it's a decision they're going to have to make. And kudos to Craig for making it tougher than I thought it had a shot of getting to. So with that, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll come back and we'll talk With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. And next up, I would like to discuss what I call bridge prospects. These are guys that probably aren't seen as stars per se, but they're also in line in front of those top tier prospects that we always talk about. You know, uh, for instance, Rodolfo Castro will be here before Nick Gonzalez, potentially, you know, um, Justin, let's start with you. But I mean, we don't have to look far on the Pirates to see someone like this. Jacob Stallings comes to mind, Adam Frazier. Um, who do you got here that the Pirates fans should be? shouldn't just glaze past on their way to Greensboro. Um, you got a couple guys there. Uh, James Marvel, Brandon Ogle, I think are guys that can pitch in. Uh, they're going to be bridge guys, but they actually could lend a hand moving forward, whether it be the bullpen. Um, I, I haven't really seen much of splits Barth, but he's another one that they just brought in um, that they seem to like a little bit anyway. Um Jared Oliva, uh, Castro, you just mentioned are two guys that can also, you know, I don't know if I like uh, Jared is enough to be part of the team moving forward, but a fourth outfielder, you know, he's a guy that can play, you know, right, left, um, center. Um, Every team needs an RJ Reynolds. Yeah, absolutely. RJ, the, the, the guy who everyone screamed, he needs to start, and then he'd start and he wouldn't be very good, you know. Yep. It's but, like Wally Backman. Oh, there you go. I love Paul. <laughs> yeah, but um, and then there's some of these guys I think might be you know shipped out in some deals that are maybe guys that we glance by, like a Brandon New or a Max Kranchik, um, who should be up before the rest of them, but could also be shipped out in in uh, you know as a throw in in a trade deadline trade. Okay, and Larry, I'll go to you now. Um... You know, when you look at the at the Pirates, you, you've probably seen this over the years, guys. That Josh Harrison is a guy like that. Jordy Mercer is a guy like that. You know, people that 
you're probably not paying attention to as the next big thing, but they wind up being that way. Do you see anybody like that in the system right now? Well, I liked what you wrote about, again, in, inside the Bucks' basement. Uh, you brought up the relief pitcher for the Indianapolis Indians, uh, Matt Eckelman, 41 saves, 212 strikeouts over 143 games in the minors. I look at that and I say, okay, if something would happen to, let's say, Chris Stratton as the setup man, maybe you bring this young man up and give him a shot to set it up before, you know, Rodriguez comes in to be the closer. So right. I, I think there could be, you know, at least some bullpen help there waiting at Indianapolis. Or you could go what Justin was saying, and maybe you throw him in as, again, part of a, a trade, as they say, sweeten the deal, uh, like we were talking about with Philip Evans before in the first segment. Okay. And, you know, sweetening the deal is interesting. I don't know that they're there yet organizationally. I mean, Craig, what do you think about that and this topic um, in general? I mean, in, in this topic in general, uh, one of the ones that, uh, that Justin mentioned, uh, I think I've mentioned him almost every single time I'm, I'm on your podcast or on mine talking about a player that I kind of, when they picked him in the Rule 5, uh, Shea Spitzbarth, I was, I was really happy with his stuff. I thought it was a really good pickup. And it was even like on like MLB Network, they were talking about how, you know, this kid, you know, worked to be. Uh, the one that's like kind of like sticking out to me right now who – Kind of, he, he does go along with the Matt Eckelman because when they were together in Altoona, I uh, wanted it was like basically uh, Bo Solcer was the setup man for Matt Eckelman, and they called him the firefighter that he would come in and you know just basically shut everybody down and spray water if there was anything going on. And what they've done uh, with Bo this year is it looks like they're they're trying to reach him, stretch him out, either into like a long opener. It kind of looks like because he's. Yeah. He was a starter in uh, in college, and they tried him out as a starter when he first came to the organization. But by the time uh, he kind of followed uh, Joel Hanrahan uh, up through his career, he's been his pitching coach every single year. It was Hanrahan that ended up moving him um, into the relief role. So it's just been kind of – I think that they are just trying to see, okay – if we can stretch some of these guys out who were starters or who could be starters, it's a lot easier to, you know, have them come in and pitch, you know, one to two innings than it would be to have them all be relievers and then, you know, <laughs> be looking for starters or yeah. if a starter, you know, goes out after, uh, you know, one to third innings like uh, – like Crow did the other night, you need somebody, you need a couple guys to come in there and put those more innings together. But Bo's a guy that I definitely look at. Uh, Braden Ogle was a guy that I was surprised they didn't protect uh, for the Rule 5. It was like one of the three guys. It yeah. was uh, it was him, Kranich, and, uh, and Castro that I had listed as who I would protect, and they did two of the three. Um, he's, a, he's a nice little lefty reliever uh, that got a little bit of action in spring training, and I, I, I like what I see from him. Yeah, I like him too, and you know, that's, that's a whole other discussion we're going to have soon on the show is, is who we have to worry about protecting next year because that's going to actually kind of guide a lot of the moves that actually do happen this year. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more of that in the last segment here today. But, you know, Matt Eckelman was probably my big reach, I would say, in, in the article I wrote about this subject because I've just I, – I liked what I've seen from him, and I, I think he – 
could add something up here. Um, I, I personally like him a little bit more than Jeff Hartley, but you know, uh, I understand why Jeff Hartley keeps coming up because you know he's on the forty. So I mean, you know, I, I get it, but at some point, some of these players will make it up, and I think a lot of the time we forget that there's people they actually have to leapfrog on the way here. You don't just magically show up like Nick Gonzalez isn't just going to move through the system and the, the red sea is just going to part for him with opportunity. I mean, yeah, he'll play his way up, but every time somebody goes up, somebody else has to go down or up themselves. So those players are going to get pushed up here and filtered through we're going to see a lot of these guys play. And every once in a while, somebody's going to turn into a Josh Harrison. Somebody's going to turn into that Jordy Mercer, that piece you didn't see coming that, that just comes and becomes part of this team for a good long while. You know, Jay Bell was a guy like that. If you really want to go back, that he was not a highly touted prospect. You know, he came up through the system and launched onto a, a position and stood there. You know, it's, it's cool to watch, and that's why we, we always watch the minors, you know? And and we will take a quick break after I give you guys another shot at this one because we've talked about those players in particular. Some of them are on double A right now, I think, like in the form of O'Neill Cruz and Rodolfo Castro, like we spoke about, Brad Case even. You know, anybody even a little bit younger that you think kind of has a, a chance to get up here at the end of the year or very early beginning of next and make an impact before we get to the Greensboro treasure trove? Justin, start with you. Yeah, I mean, the big one was O'Neill Cruz. Um, we got off to a little bit of a slow start picking up now, and I, I have to imagine he will have a chance early next year to come up and make an impact. And that'll have a ripple effect, I think. Um, but number one, does he stay at shortstop? Does he move to the outfield? Seems they'll keep him at shortstop as long as they can to keep that bat developing. Um, you know, there were a couple of pitchers that I thought would kind of make the jump early, but of course with Bolton going down with that knee injury, that'll slow him. Um, you know, I had wrote a list the other day that the, at the end of 22, I was excited to – I hate to say it, I was excited to watch the Pirates lose at the end of 22 because I think that's when we will start to see the plan. Um, Swaggerty, of course, was one of them I had listed, but now uh, he's out. And, of course, some of them, like Mears, just came up, and he was one of the guys I listed. Yeah. Uh, getting to see him maybe be a fireman or anchor down uh, the back of the pen. Um Craig, you were, you know, not to okay. cut you off, Justin, but you brought up mirrors. And Craig, you were really hot on mirrors last year. Um, in fact, I think you knew it was way too early for him last year. And you kept saying, like, hey, everybody, he's not going to do great, but please don't get down on him. He's awesome. You know, <laughs> like, so. yeah, he, he had, I think he had maybe four innings at, at double A at that point. Like he had come up through the system and, and tore it up. And when he got his shot, it was just like, it's nice to get that taste, but yeah, he was like, I had like Cedarland one and then him two as, as to the guys that I could have seen called up. Uh, but it was just almost like the, the nature of, you know, the situation last year where it was like, okay, <laughs> we need some arms. 
Uh, we need to get some guys that, that come in. And actually, one guy that hasn't gotten a lot of play, I guess, since like the, the start of the season, I, I was only out in Altoona once to see them play, but, but that was Bay. Um, you're not hearing his name um, as much anymore as a guy who, you know, could be in that piece. Yeah. And maybe he's just struggling at the beginning of the year, getting back on schedule. Uh, you're not really sure what's going on with these guys, especially, you know, how much do they get to play? How many live at bats could they get in their time off right. and everything? So, but he's a, guy a great that, example though. He really yeah. is. He's right in that wheelhouse of that type of player that has a shot to accelerate his way through the system because he's kind of been held back by the previous regime a little bit. So you know, I, I think one thing we've seen from Ben Charrington, and, and Larry, I'll let you comment on this a little bit. One thing I think we've seen from him primarily is that he does recognize some of these guys have been held back a little bit, and he has appropriately moved them forward. Travis Swaggerty is a good example of that. He lost the season, but the Pirates slow walked him too. I mean, he played two low A seasons before he played one high A. I mean, they didn't need to do that. They're, there's when you draft somebody at that age, you got to let them play and you got to move them up. That's crazy. And I'm glad to see Charrington addressing that. Now, maybe having one less level is helping. But Larry, what do you think of that new philosophy there for moving prospects, possibly? Well, I like your idea. I like the idea of a prospect, you know, one season of let's say low A ball or low single A ball. Yes, should have been enough, and he should have been moved up if you think he has the potential. And so I agree with you uh, that uh, uh, Swaggerty should have moved up faster than what he did. But we don't know what was handcuffing. You know, they did. They, they seem to like to hang on to their prospects the way uh, Shiro used to like to hang on to blue chip defenseman prospects for the penguins. They just want to <laughs> hang on to them. They don't, you know, want to let them go for any reason whatsoever. So you might have picked the only day of the year where the penguins are a touchier subject than the pirates, Larry. <laughs> there you go. Well, I know that. I know that more than anything, but getting back to an idea of who might be on the horizon at double a, uh, one name I haven't heard mentioned. Um, at least I don't think I heard it. And that was Cal Mitchell, the outfielder, yeah. left-handed hitter, 22 years old, has definitely been hitting doubles. And I think you just tweak his batting, you know, a little bit, give him a few more reps, and those doubles will start turning into home runs. And now you've got uh, another uh, out prospect for the outfield, whether that is to be an everyday starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates or, again, you use them in the proverbial trade bait situation. But I think Cal Mitchell – is one to keep an eye on, as is the relief pitcher, uh, De Los Santos. Uh, yeah, 44 like walks, too. 44 walks, 141 strikeouts in his MILB career. You know, I think uh, as you wrote about, or I'm trying to think who, where I saw this. Anyway, it proves he has control, and that's what's going to tantalize the scouts, that he has good control over his stuff. Yep, I think he's a pretty exciting young kid, I do. And, I mean, we'll end on this note and, and head into the last segment here. But I, I would have to say if they toss in any outfield prospect with any kind of promise whatsoever into any kind of deal, I will throw a conniption fit because they, <laughs> they have 
they have absolutely no outfield and, and like they really really cannot afford to give those away at all so let's uh let's go ahead and take a quick break and we'll come back and jump into back um kind of piling on the last topic a little bit triple a is just locked up i mean it's bad practice to have no movable parts um at some point they'll have to start checking off boxes and moving guys out of the way for instance maybe at some juncture here you need to just move james marvel or tyler wright out to make room for max Cranick and ronzi Contreras. i mean there's going to be promotions that need to take place. And I think they stocked up the pitching so well, but they need to start deciding some of these guys don't need to be here or they need to get a shot. Um, I mean, the outfield's another issue. And, and Craig, let's, let's start with you because I don't think they expected as many DFAs to clear waivers as did um, in the first place, which has kind of led to the locked in syndrome they have in AAA. So why don't you go ahead and get us started there? Well, I'm going to start chuckling a little bit there, Gary, because you, you said Tyler Wright, which is pretty much Stephen Wright and Tyler Bachelor. Oh, sorry. Yeah. There you go. Put, to, put together. So, but same guess difference. what, Gary? Guess what? It doesn't even matter, dude, because it's it's the same thing. Like, it's, it's the, that's that's how, like – Knuckleballer and knucklehead, same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like how crazy AAA is right now because – there's just so many guys that like you're talking about like the Fowler, the Alford who gets sent get DFA'd and it's like, well, they cleared. So I, I guess we should keep them and not yeah, just right. completely put them to outright. You know, you're not really sure what to do with them. Cause I mean, and like I said, there's, you got, you got in Jigba, you got Smith and Jigba down in, uh, in double a, you've got uh, Cal Mitchell. That's maybe pushed. Those guys could be pushing a little bit here at some point. Mason Martin. Uh, yeah, Mason Martin, like you're saying, like trying to come up to, to first base and everything. Yeah, I mean, the the Indianapolis Indians are the epitome of like pretty much a quad A team right now. And I yes. hate, you know, I don't, you know, I don't use like the, this quad A prospect type thing too often, just because I think right. it, it may get overused. But it, in this aspect, I think it's it's dead on. I think that there's just so many guys that you know, are replacement level players to below replacement level players um, yes. just sitting there that we've seen play. Um, maybe they didn't get, you know, that long of a rope, but at times, you know, maybe 20 at bats was enough to see that, you know, what Alfred had shown in, in spring training wasn't for real, that the reason that, you know, Dustin Fowler was let go there was like real reasons for that. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to have to be at some point in time where, where guys are, are just, you know, just let go. Yeah. I mean, don't fear the purge. It's, it's for everybody, you know, I mean, Justin, at some point they're going to have to make these decisions. We've talked about this before, but at some point you, you just don't need uh, Dustin Fowler on the roster if you're never going to use them. Yeah. You know, you know, some of it will happen organically. And when I say that, I mean, uh, at one point they're going to trade somebody and one of these guys is going to come up 
and you're not a better team, you know, for it. And that's okay because Elijah Green is there next year's draft, you know. Um, I look at a situation where, um, you know, Adam Frazier, as we, we released that article last week, and it's okay if you have to bring up Kramer, whether Kramer is starting or whether he's on the bench as Newman man second and Tucker plays shortstop. So some of this is going to happen just by who – uh, you're moving to get that return uh, come the trade deadline. And like I said, a few of these guys I can see. I can see Austin Davis, Bachelor, uh, DeJong um, being part of a deal going somewhere. And even if it's for that team doing a, you know, here's our guy going nowhere for your guy going nowhere, but our guy's younger. Uh, trade, yeah. the, you know, we'd like to get – you know, Kyle Keller and put in our system down in AAA in case we need them come September kind of deal. And, they, and there's not a lot of those, but they're out there. Um, you know, at one point, uh, Miguel, uh, he's going to be up and he's going to be taking starts every week. And that, that'll that probably happen this year after, uh, um, uh, K, you know, Trevor Cahill, whether he's not back or they move him, Tyler Anderson's yeah. gone. But uh, Trevor just, Cahill is a great point because there's another guy right there. They're going to have to make a decision on here pretty yeah. soon, right? You, yeah. you can decide whether you really want him back or you can just say, okay, Chad Cole's back. Time to say goodbye to Mr. Cahill. And if you, if you tried to put him on waivers, he would just select free agency. So if, if you cut him, he's gone one way yeah. or another. That's, that's one that's going to answer itself real soon here. Yeah. But he's not alone. There, there's a ton of players like that that they're going to have to make some calls on. And I suggest not waiting too long or else you get to the point where some of these double-A guys that need to graduate don't have a place to graduate to. Right. And, and I'm very concerned about the locked-in syndrome. It led directly to having Cole Tucker come up here, and they clearly want no parts of playing him right now. Yeah. Clearly and- did not get where they wanted to with his bat before he got this call up, and now they're stuck. So, I mean, Larry, going to you, what do you do when that's in that kind of situation? I mean, you, you build up all this depth for a reason. So it's not like you want to just stoke, go around casting people off, but that kind of has to be what you do, right? I agree with you. Cole Tucker, the experiment in the outfield, it's time for it to be over. Um, he was always an infielder. Uh, it, maybe it is time you give him his unconditional release. Uh or you, as you were talking about, you know, you trade him for a guy out of options, but, uh, you know, it, that per, I'll, maybe that you get it, pick yourself up another catcher or you pick yourself up another third baseman in that regard, just so you can have some uh, versatility down at Indianapolis. But, you know, like uh, Cole Tucker or for that matter, Dustin Fowler, maybe it's time to, you know, as they say, fish or cut bait, do do one or the other, and it may be time to cut bait and just uh, say, all right, I've seen guys. I, I used I did one season uh, for the Mohawk Valley Scrappers. They were the short season single-A affiliate of the Cleveland Indians. Um, and there were guys I would see play for the Mohawk Valley Scrappers, and you thought they were going to, be something and then they plateau at double a and you never hear from them again. So not, not everybody is, is uh, at least going to make it. 
or going to make it at least with your team. Now, maybe Cole Tucker latches on with somebody else and he becomes an all-star second baseman, but I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> I'm not either. And I, I mean, I've never been sure about Cole Tucker. I'm, I can't get behind cutting bait on him right yet. I think, I think he's too young for that still, but um, I, I think if I was betting on my own baseball psychic abilities, I would say that's the way it's going to go at some point. I just don't think quite yet, but guys, we've had a good long talk today. A lot of baseball. Um, I think that everything we talked about, there's a lot of confusing ideas going on in double A and triple A and, and the grasshoppers. We just talked about all of the different moving parts that have to happen. The fun of that is that the reason these decisions come up means the team itself is starting to build something good in the minor leagues for these decisions to even need to be made. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I just want to get things a little bit closer to major leagues so that we have some people to draw. <laughs> That's all. And uh, I'm not saying prematurely jumping people. It's just, I want to make sure there's room for people when, when, when the time comes. So um, really good talk guys. I'm going to give you all one last shot here. Just plug yourselves, Larry Snyder. How can people get a hold of you and what should they know about you? Uh, well, you can see me on Twitter at uh, Larry underscore N underscore Snyder. Um, right now, as a public address announcer, I'm a free agent. So <laughs> we're going to gonna have to find a new hockey home, possibly. I have done fill-in work for the Youngstown Phantoms, uh, the USHL, and uh, maybe they'll have some more games for me. We'll have to wait and uh, see about that. And I do write a little bit. And uh, that website is Top of the Incline Sports, and it's part of the WordPress. And uh, uh, I have tried my hand a little bit at uh, writing boxing and MMA, and we'll see if I can do a little bit more of that this summer. There you go, my friend. And Justin, how about you, besides uh, your budding writing career going on? Uh, you know, uh, on Twitter, it's uh, JV underscore P-I-T-T. Uh, all capitals. Um, I'm not on Facebook too. Craig, on to you. How, how are you, man? And go ahead and tell people how to get a hold of you. Um, you can uh, get a hold of me at. Uh, I'm usually on Twitter. I do have a Facebook. We do have uh, Bucks in the Basement on Facebook, but I'm usually at Bucks Basement on Twitter. Uh, inside the Bucks Basement with my boy Gary Morgan, who was nice enough to have me back on here again. Uh, we do game recaps after every game, but our game recaps are a little bit different because they're pretty much just our emotions and feelings about the game. And we give a little bit of uh, news and notes at the end uh, just to kind of update everybody what's going on. And as always, every Tuesday morning, uh, uh, Bucks in the Basement, me and my buddy Chris, I've uh, been running that podcast now. We just uh, got over two years. So uh, tune into that. All right, and I'm Gary Morgan. You can get a hold of me on Twitter, GaryMO2007. Uh, I answer pretty frequently. Um, and on Facebook, just look up my name. And uh, inside the Bucks basement is where you can find stuff I write about the Pirates. Um, I also have another podcast on this very network for the Penguins. comes out about an hour after this one does every Saturday night. So um, really looking forward to talking to you again next week. Until then, let's go Bucks and have a great week.